that's why there's so much killing that's got to go on alright the Lord kills and he makes alive so even though on one level we're dead not knowing God there is that about our death which is virulent energetic and anti-God it's called the old nature the old Adam and unless that old Adam is addressed and killed we have no hope of being anything different from what we were when we were born we might be a bit renovated um, we might be a bit improved we might be a bit contained we might be a bit repressed but unless that old Adam that spirit that it sounds funny to say but that virulent spirit of death anti-godness unless that is addressed there is no hope of us being anything other than we were born essentially even if we manage to renovate our lives a bit which is why the father sent the son to do exactly that for us and he begins to speak about this in this in, a, in this passage when we receive his word we res- and, and, we, and we submit to it and say yes that's right it's a perilous thing because what we are cannot exist in the presence of God it can't, that's what conviction of sin is about um, it, the knife that the word comes and it reveals us like a sharp two-edged sword it's living, here's the word of God it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword and when it comes to us, it enters our soul and we have the choice we can either resist it and say I'm not having you rule over me I'm not having God at that price I'm not going to listen to that or we can let it go into us and say Lord you're right I'm even all my righteousnesses, all of my righteousnesses, are filthy rags. I'm a wrong being. Forgive me. And in that initial time, that is an instant in time when he kills. The the apostle Paul talked in Romans six, seven, eight, uh, six and seven especially about that exact thing. I am crucified with Christ. He talks about being baptized into his death. It's not a theoretical notion. It's not a theological, it's not just a theological idea. It is a vital experience that every man and woman needs to go through. That we are baptized into his death. And I can tell you, dear ones, that you can get as wet as you like, and it won't take you into Christ's death. The water baptism is but a an emblem of the real baptism that must be effected. And I think I may have mentioned before (laughs) that he alone is the purveyor of that baptism. He alone is the one that can take hold of our lives and immerse us in the Godhead. And the first consequence of that is death. Because um, God is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. And we've got a choice. We can either die 
willingly because we receive his word and agree with his judgment or we can hold out and resist and say I'm not going to bow the name of Jesus and the death later then we risk the second death we risk the lake of fire if we hold out now and say I'm not going to have that judgment I'm going to keep going this life that's in me this virulent anti-God spirit that's what I'm going to let run my life oh I might try and do good things oh I might try and be religious oh I might try and contain these practices and those behaviours the bottom line is my life and don't you dare tell me what to do God Mm. so we don't this I'm not saying that we articulate that I'm I'm trying to describe a response to the sovereign love of God I'm not going to let him be sovereign it's my life and we of course we see in Jesus the antithesis of that at every stage I haven't come to do my own will you talked about being a little child utterly dependent Uh, I depend on you Father Jesus utterly dependent I I can't I can't do my own thing I'm only here for him Uh, now so I just want to mention that I think that's why all that killing is around I kill and I make alive brother, sister um, you please, I beg you go to the Lord Jesus and make sure you've got it sorted out with him that the thing that needs to die in you has been killed and if you know it hasn't been then talk to him about it he loves you and he's able to do that in fact that's why he's come what is the mechanism by which that is Achieved. What is the means by which a man can stop being what he was and start being something entirely different? It's all the same. It's the one. It's the one story. The father said it. He'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost. It's that baptism that kills. It's that baptism that makes alive. It's that baptism in, in which he exercises his judgment. He said, this one is receiving my word. They're believing on him who sent me. I'll make him alive. He quickeneth whom he will. Have a look. Have a look in chapter 6, verse 38. Of our book, 638, he says exactly this. <clears throat> Uh, because I came down from heaven he was really clear that he wasn't just a religious man he was nothing like that he knew that he came down from heaven it's the only, the only answer for you and me we don't need another, some other broken down human being showing us how good they can be what good is that? we need an answer that comes from the heart of God coming down from heaven to change what we are hallelujah not to say oh this is what you should be you can't be like it but I'm the good one no he came down from heaven hallelujah so that we should become like him here's what he said I came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of the one who sent me. He was utterly faithful to that mandate. It was his nature, wasn't it? It's how he'd lived in eternity. How, can, can you have the past tense in eternity? I don't know. But it's how, uh, perhaps our language breaks down then. Uh, it's how he lives, past, present, future, in eternity. Father, I worship you. That's why the Father loves him. That's why the Father can entrust everything to him. 
Uh, we might have a look at that. Here, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should lose nothing out of everything that he has given me, but that I should raise it up on the last day. Ah, the resurrection. Verse 40, This is the will of my Father, you see, that all who see the Son and believe in him should have the life of God's coming age. You probably have eternal life in your, in your version. That all, this is God's will. So when he said, uh, the Son quickeneth or maketh alive whom he will, it's not that he's got a different will to the Father. It's not that he's being capricious. It's not that, oh, I think him. No, 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 no. The Father has set down, the div- he has divinely appointed the condition for being made alive. Here it is. The people that see the Son and believe in him should have the life of God's coming age. Okay, that, that's what it is to, be, to receive life. It's to have eternal life. And the, and the Son says, he gives life to whom he will. But it's not loose. Whom he will is, he's got, he's got his orders from the Father. It's the Father's will that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him qualifies. You don't believe this stuff about um, unconditionality, do you? The life of God is highly conditional. You've got to bow the knee to Jesus. <laughs> um, And so, whom he will are those who believe. And the Father said, right, this one is believed. And he's given Jesus the ability, the power, and the responsibility to judge. And we saw that earlier on, that he didn't commit himself to them because he knew what was in man. And he could see that their faith was pseudo-faith. That was chapter 2, when he was in Jerusalem first. And they oh, oh, Jesus, wonderful, great. He didn't commit himself to them because he knew what was in man. And that was just a little taste of his ability to discern and to judge what is faith. And those that, he, that see the Son and believe in him, and he's able to judge that and receive his word, the Father's ordained, that's, that's the sort of person that you are permitted to give eternal life to. Is that too complicated? Uh, now uh, how is it possible that the proper man nevertheless a man has been elevated to the Godhead this little boy who grew up he learned the carpenter's trade he was a real man flesh and blood he was a real thing dinkum and he's been elevated to have all the attributes divine to have life in himself and to give life to whomsoever, whoever he chooses and to, and to judge. And you know that when we receive his word, that is us receiving his judgment. That's why we won't come into judgment later. It's judgment is for shall they get into life or shall they not? Guys, for you and me, as we open our breasts to the word of God and receive it, now, it's not here, oh, let's just wash some words over him. 
Uh, I think we can say it's to hear morally, to hear responsibly, to hear submissively. Like Jesus said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. In another place he said, let these words sink down into your ears. That kind of hearing. Here to agree, here to submit to, here to be governed by. That kind of hearing. Uh, um, I forgot where we were. Uh, that's why we won't come into judgment. Because his word has already judged us. We've received it. We've believed in him. He that hears my word will read it again. I'm sorry if it sounds waffly, but this is just this passage. Uh, we hear his word and we receive it and open our breast with its sharper than every two-edged sword. It pierces even the dividing sun between soul and spirit. And the judgment is effected in us now. And he says, I'm going to slay that Adam in you because of your faith and I'm going to give you new life. I'm going to raise you to life eternal. And we start living it today and tomorrow and we remain in that life. So that in the age to come, we don't come into judgment. It's already happened for us. It's, it's past. For others, um, it needs to be decided still. But not for his not for his own it's already decided and we live moment by moment in the judgment because his judgment is a delight to us I delight to do thy will O Lord and to walk with thee is not grievous unto me so that the Holy Ghost whispers in our conscience you can't do that you must do this and we receive the you've got to put off that attitude you've got to put off those deeds you've got to and we receive it and we let it penetrate our hearts and change our practice and so we're transformed from glory to glory so what's the judgment? we've been living in it <laughs> will you brother or sister let that judgment be exercised in your inner man day by day that's what it is to be a Christian. It's to let the judgment of Jesus be exercised in us day by day. And to let the impartation of life, of the life giver. You know, the old phrase was quickener and judge. To let the quickening of the quickener, the life giving of the life giver be exercised in us day by day. You can't have one without the other. Um, the judgment precedes the life-giving. And then they go on together, judging and the life continuing to flow. Do you remember in chapter 4? The water that I shall give you shall become in you a spring of water, springing up, it should, the word there is become, unto life eternal. Um, it can only keep springing as we keep letting the judgment work in us. If we don't let the judgment work, if we don't heed the judgment, we say, I'm not having this, um, I'm not going to listen to this judgment, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Then we're going backwards, we're going back to what old Adam did. But as we let the judgment keep working, as we let, James has it this way, let the word of God dwell in you richly. It's the same thing. Excuse me. It's the same thing. Let, because what, by what are we judged? We're judged by his word. 
we'll have this articulated precisely by the Lord later. Um, so, let, when James says, let the word of God dwell in you richly, we could also say, well, just keep receiving the Lord's judgment. Uh, and as we keep receiving your judgment, as we keep bowing the knee to him, as we keep in, a, in obedience, so the life becomes in us a spring of water springing up unto life eternal. It'll just keep going. And out of our belly will flow not all the polluted stuff, but rivers of living water. Chapter 7. We haven't got there yet. Um, <clears throat> Do you see how it's actually only one message? Different facets, different things. Oh, Jesus only got one thing to say. Guys, you need the life of God. You've got to lose the old life, get the new life, and walk in it. That's it. That's the message. Finish. Um, uh, perhaps I missed. Perhaps I missed the point. I don't think so. I think this is the. Oh dear. I'm sorry. I think this is the point. I think I may have done that before. I should have learned. It's, you trick me. <laughs> it's a setup. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but it's so simple. It's so logical. Um, we can get so religious. The thing about religion is it's balmy. Um, the thing about truth is it's clear and simple. Uh, is it rude to say it's balmy? It's not. It's completely bonkers. Um, you ought to hear the stuff they talk about where I work. There. <clears throat> anyway, I went, let's not go into that. Um, <laughs> uh, but Jesus didn't speak like that. He spoke sublimest truth. Simple, clear, unequivocal, utterly logical. <clears throat> now, let's just see if we've missed something out <clears throat> in the same way the son verse 21 gives life to anyone he chooses and we've already mentioned that the choosing is already set the father's shown him whom to choose those that believe in him and believe in the one that sent him those that receive his word give them life and as a prelude to that there's got to be that death that old virulent anti-godness oh Lord thank you so long Paul describes labouring under it Uh, so long he describes the agony who shall rid me this wretched man that I am the good that I would I can't do the evil I would not that's what I end up doing who will rid me who will a wretched man that I am who will how does it go? Rid me from this body of death. Uh, my, my dear friends, I guarantee, no, I don't guarantee, I suspect I could, that you've been told all your lives that that's the Christian life. Oh, wretched man that I am. The good that I would, I do not. The evil I would not, that I do. Ah, that's the Christian life. I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart that it's a lie, it's not true. Um, It's a recent lie, the last 100 years or so, 120 years. The Bible-believing Christians before that wouldn't have had a bar of that. Uh, It's utterly impossible to make a proper exegetical case for that. 
It's not. It's just not a correct exposition of those scriptures, and it's certainly not in the words of the Lord Jesus. What did he say? He said, "Look," he said, "as a prelude to you receiving the Holy Ghost, as a prelude to you being born of God, you've got to keep my word." Well, it's a complete contradiction. The good, I, the evil that I would, I do. You know what I mean? The, the, the bad things I, I don't want to do, that's what I do. The good that I want to do, that I can't do. Jesus said in chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commandments, and then my Father will come to you, and I will come to you and make our abode with you. Anyway, look, I just I know that's going to make you some of you very angry, but Nothing of what Jesus says can be reconciled to that wrong exegesis of Romans 7. You can't have Romans 6 and 8 and then say that Romans 7 is Christian. Now that's, I don't want to start a fight, but I only say that not to be controversial, but to liberate your hearts from the notion that Christianity can't change human hearts. It can. It's supposed to. And if it doesn't, it isn't Christianity. Uh, it's something else. It's a prevenient grace stage. Religious man wanting to be right and discovering he can't be. But there's an answer! Hallelujah! It's called being baptized into his death. So that whole wellspring of wickedness is terminated. The very thing that dominated our lives should no longer dominate us. The very thing that drove us and was the mainspring of our being changes. If you if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away brother brother, sister please open your hearts to it I know that it sounds controversial but it's only because you've been brainwashed by some new doctrine in the last 120 years anyone sensible before that never thought that Um, true Look, who are the men that turned the world upside down? Well, they were the apostles, of course. But in more recent times, um, who saved England from uh, a revolution more bloody than that of France? In these days of massive disadvantage and disproportionate distribution of wealth, before the days of socialism, we had poor people ground under. England was a case in point. 1789... France, blood everywhere. They they murdered the royal family. Why didn't that happen in England? It was as bad, ish. Uh, well, the historians, secular historians, say because of the evangelical revival that occurred, because there was a move of God that swept through the land, and the especially among the working classes, the people who were had the rawest deal. And it changed their hearts. It changed the whole culture of the United Kingdom. Uh, this is secular historians saying that. Now, who's responsible for that? Who are the ministers? John Wesley, Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, you know their names? They wouldn't have had a bar of a Christianity that didn't effect a change. They wouldn't have had um, Romans 7 as a Christian experience. So look, that's just one instance. Anyway, that's not my point. Um, <coughs> it's a corollary. 
you understand how I feel this is linked to this passing, he already passed from death to life they won't come into judgment, look they're not getting on very fast the father doesn't judge anyone you see, now this is extraordinary verse 22, he's handed over all judgment to the son this carpenter's son this little boy this 12 year old who then, and then he went through he always pleased the father it's so much so that he was able to give him the Holy Ghost in bodily form and so that the life of Jesus became imbued with the Holy Ghost from heaven and the father said at that time this is my beloved son he acknowledged his utter fidelity through the ordinary years of life and then he started doing little miracles well, I, think I made some unwise joke about changing water into wine and there were people healed and then there was going to be bodily resurrection and he says, he said to the Jews then he said, the, the, the Father's going to show him greater works than this and you're going to be dumbfounded when you see it if you're impressed by a man who's been sick for 38 years walking if you're impressed by water into wine if you're impressed by healings by casting out of demons you wait until you see the giving of life to dead souls you wait until you see humanity being transformed one by one that will really make you sit up and think and why? because I go back to my father and he's going to assume all of the he's going to assume these abilities and these attributes in their fullness so what he couldn't do then is if you go to Acts 2 he says I'm going back to the father and the, the apostles said all this stuff that's going on on the day of Pentecost you, when they see a Pentecost what are they going to do? they're going to be dumbfounded then you'll really be amazed <clears throat> And, and the apostles explained what happened on the day of Pentecost because this Jesus whom you crucified yeah that was a good idea wasn't it this Jesus whom you crucified he's ascended to the right hand of the Father and that he's received this from the Father which you now see here so all these goings on on Pentecost on the day of Pentecost was because Jesus had ascended to the Father he had received the Holy Ghost from the Father and was giving him now you wait until you see that if you think that this man walking is going to be impressive the thing that's been impossible for aeons the thing that man should change doesn't matter how much religion you give him how much truth you apply to him that we had Moses, we had the law we had the prophets, it didn't change their hearts but, but the father always promised there's going to come a day when there's a new covenant I'm going to change their hearts. I'm going to put my spirit in them. It's, it's all the one message, guys. It's boiled down. Man's got a problem. The Father has the answer. He's giving it to us from the Son. You must be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Problem solved. That's not the end. That's the beginning. <laughs> so we get loosed. We get liberated. And we've got to go on walking in the judgment. Got to, on, got to go on walking and letting the word judge us. Got to go on walking in letting the thing that he's put in us become. Interesting word to use. It's got all the potential to become, as it's listened to, a, a spring of water springing up into eternal life. The thing that could never be, he brings about. You know, the one thing that's utterly impossible is for me to be anything other than what I was born. 
I could be a renovated me, but I'll still be a me. We need the miracle of the intervention of God. We need the impossible. The thing that's impossible, God does. Uh, And the tragedy of our Christianity in our era is that we want a Christianity that isn't impossible. We want the the sort that's possible. Look, chaps, just come and ask God to forgive you and try and be good. If you you fail, it's alright, ask God to forgive you again. Mate, that's no different from the Jews. The only difference is the sacrifice. Goats, Jesus. No different. We need a gospel that's impossible. The thing that's impossible with man is possible with God. Is that right? New creature. Uh, Anyone, watch out Jews. Why has the Father given this judgment, verse 22, into his hand? Why has he handed all all judgment to this man, the Son? So that everyone should honour the Son. Just as they honour the Father. That at his name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, The Father's not jealous of this worship. Because he knows that the Son continues to worship him. He didn't do that for Lucifer, he couldn't do it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would have happened to the universe? But the Son was proved. Interesting that the Son had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. Do you remember that in Hebrews? That through the things that he suffered, he learned obedience. Uh, And we're told that the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. Astonishingly, the spotless Son of God, the perfect, only begotten of the Father, went through that probation. And through a lifetime of human experience, tempted in all points, like as we, yet without sin, uh, he went through that probation and he proved himself. He proved. His faith was proved. His fidelity to the Father as a human being, with all the potentiality of fallen humanity. He wasn't fallen, but he had the potential, all the same potentials as his fallen brethren, or his. And yet without sin. <laughs> the trial of his faith was perfect and the the Father exalted him and gave him uh, the ability that he should have within himself the privilege of giving life to whom he will he made him God of judging because he was proven and God condescends to prove us that he gives us a life that we should prove our fidelity We're not going to be, uh, our, we fallen ones aren't going to have the ability to give life in ourselves. But we become complicit. How is it that people become Christians? How is it that they get this life? Jesus prayed, John 17, Neither pray I for these only, his disciples, as he went to the Father, I pray for all them that shall have life, believe, through their word. So even his fallen brethren, raised to life, become cooperators 
in the life of God, in the work of Jesus, who gives life to whomever he chooses. Is it, is it possible? No! It's impossible! It's impossible! Uh, hallelujah for the impossible. Uh, beyond, it's beyond human invention. We couldn't even think of it. True? Anyone who doesn't honour the Son, you guys accusing me of blasphemy, you guys, anyone who doesn't honour the Son, doesn't honour the Father who sent him, I'm telling you the solemn truth. So they were in trouble. He was giving them fair warning. Uh, in dishonouring me, you're dishonouring the Father, he said to them. It's that close, and you're in that much trouble. Get out, quick. Do you know the most... <laughs> most wonderful thing that these people who slew him who rejected him the Jews they rejected him they slew him they say send out Barabbas away with him crucify him the stupid people they got stirred up by the Pharisees they were in there fermenting that so that all the multitude were saying away with him crucify him we'll get to that later do you know what the love of compassion as Jesus died he prayed Father forgive them They don't know what they're doing. Do you remember that? Can I just read you something? Uh, Here's what happened next. Within a few days, you know, they're getting a bad rap from this gospel, aren't they, the Jews? They were wicked. They crucified the Son of God. But Jesus prayed for them. Father, forgive them. And here is a measure of the Father's forgiveness. Um, In explaining what was going on, oh dear, this is the wrong place. When I say the wrong place, I can't find it. In He said, here we go, the end of chapter 3, Paul, uh, Peter is speaking to the Israelites and he said this at the end of chapter 3 you're the children of the prophets the children of the covenant which God established with your ancestors in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed when God raised up his servant he sent him to you first to bless you Father forgive them they don't know what they're doing when God raised him up, the apostles said, this was, the, this was the day of Pentecost. He was The day of Pentecost was an exclusively Jewish party event. It was for the Jews. And the days following, it was to the Jews that the gospel was preached. The ones who'd so sinned against him. The ones who'd rejected him. The ones who'd said away with him. Crucified with him. This God? What rebellion! We don't want this God. We hate you. We're going to murder you. Don't you try and run my God in with a knife. Father, they don't know what they're doing. They're being activated by powers that they don't understand. You and I, we didn't ask to be born fallen creatures. We just were born fallen creatures. And in a sense, Jesus prays the same thing for us. Father, forgive them all those years of opposition to you. All those years of hatred of God. All those years. Forgive them, he says. They don't know what they're doing. And you know what they said? Jesus' prayer was answered. The Father loved them yet. Is that extraordinary to you? 
this murderous assault on the Godhead. And he sent them, and he sent the Son on raising him from the dead. We haven't finished reading, have we? It says, chapter 3, verse 26, when God raised up his servant, he sent him to you first. To bless you. Not to judge you, to bless you. What was the blessing? I think I may have said this before. He sent them to you first to bless you. What was the blessing? Ooh, it made him feel good. It made me quiver down my skin. Not what nobody said. Uh, he sent them to you first to bless you by turning each of you away from your sins. The gift of repentance. Yeah. Hallelujah. He prayed, forgive them. And the Father sent Jesus to them first to bless them by turning them away from their sins. If they would, if they'd receive the word. Neither pray I for them only. I pray also for all those that shall believe through their word, which of course were the words of Jesus. We must stop. Uh, I'm a very messy speaker, aren't I? We haven't exactly been through that um, blow by blow. But I hope that together we've shared some of the wonder of what's happening in the Godhead and his, and his uh, will for us and his ability for us. What he's calling us into. Uh, out of death and mere human muddle, fallen human muddle, into life and resurrected human clarity so that we could say I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going they had that in Hebrews chapter 11 didn't they, the old covenant bods they they looked for a city which had foundations, they knew where they were going Uh, didn't they so can you and I shall we we pray for a bit, can we do that Uh,